Welcome to SOS VHS. Today's guest is Josh Peck, and we're talking about goodwill hunting. Well, thank you, Josh, for being here. So, goodwill hunting. The movie premieres in 1998. Yes. In your 12th, yeah. 1998. You already have a stand-up <laughs> career, you know, you've been yeah. doing it for two years. But you said in your book that at that time you're having a, a rough, rough time with uh, your mom. Uh, what's happening in 1998? So in 1997, I was I, I was 11 years old, and I remember my mom was like, "We're moving," and I was like, "When?" She said, "Tonight," <laughs> and I was like, "Usually there's some, <laughs> some like lead up, okay. some preparation." Yeah, and she said, and I said, "Okay." well, where's the movers and the boxes like I've seen in the movies? Right. She goes, we're going to leave the stuff and let's just go. We're going to go. So basically, like my mom being a single mom, we were just out of money. And a couple bad, basically like what I didn't know is for months leading up to it, a couple bad business sort of swings. And my mom was like an entrepreneur kind of, you know, she would do, make money. Sometimes it would be very middle class and then she would run out of money and like not have enough money for a slice of pizza between us. Mm. And over the last couple of months, I would, I, in hindsight, I noticed her like she would get just very manic or emotional because I didn't realize that behind the scenes she was like, trying to pull the strings keeping it all afloat and it just ended with we ran out of money and we didn't know where we were going to sleep that night and my grandmother like wired us a couple grand for an apartment like a, a you know a week-to-week -week apartment in new york and it was just my mom and i for the summer of 1998 and it was glorious it was terrible but glorious which could also be the title of my book <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so uh so did you watch this movie then when you were 12 or this no. is like a movie that you watched later when you were older goodwill hunting was one of those movies that was like talked about all the time but if you didn't know like it wasn't like the terminator or like a very self-explain if you didn't know that the title character's name is will hunting you're just like what is this thing right it just seemed like a movie grown-ups talked about a lot and people liked for yeah, some reason that's the year of titanic to yeah be a you know Compare it to something probably that everybody. A movie knows. I've never seen. You never seen Titanic. I don't want it. I'll never see it. Wow. What? I'll never fucking see. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple people like George is like that. He never saw Titanic. Really? It's like oh, I, I draw the line here for some reason. It's too popular for me. It's too popular. Uh, I remember. Uh, guess some other very popular movies I haven't seen. Terminator. Oh wow. Godfather. <laughs> seen that I've seen. <laughs> okay uh marvel movies um, i haven't seen a any of the last 10 years right i made a decision at a certain point that i was a grown-up and i was like i'm done it's too loud but did you uh did you go to the movies when you were a kid is that a part of your experience like yeah. going to the theater or were you like more a tv person like you know watching at home what was yeah i love and i love marvel movies growing up and then yeah. i just got old quick and i remember watching i think infinity wars and turning into my friend and going so loud <laughs> so loud so many cuts right and i just said i can't but yeah i used to pull the move do you used to do this where you go to the movies 
and you go to like a 10 a.m. showing and then you just map out the rest of the day and run from theater to theater and you go to like a one o'clock and then a four o'clock. So when I live in New York, I did that at um, yeah. the Lincoln Center AMC. Yeah. That uh, I, I would mark, I would pay for just one movie. Above the Barnes and Noble. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I would pay for one movie, but I had it all mapped out. So go in early and then I can watch five or six movies. Yeah. The whole day. <laughs> I, I I remember we would do that with R-rated movies when I was a kid. Right. And then every now and then there'd be that one theater employee who was like, like looking out for underagers. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, Malcolm, <laughs> you getting paid extra? Like, is there bonus <laughs> money coming from the from the AMC Corp? Like, well, what are you doing? You're a tattletale. I mean, I'm trying to watch, you know, I, I don't know what I wanted to watch at that time. Probably <laughs> right. like, um, what was the one with uh, the NC-17 one with the strippers? Oh. Showgirls. Showgirls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably Basic Instinct. <laughs> that messed me up. Also, yeah. Those movies. Right. Made me realize <laughs> that, yeah, all my parts were working. <laughs> Still are, right? right? You too. Both have kids. Right. <laughs> Making kids is so fun, and then you got to raise them. Right. That, yes. You you said something, in the, and I think it's in your book, or I read it somewhere, like the best part of, of making a kid is actually making it. Or having yeah, a kid is practicing. Making it. Yeah, practice it. It's great. <laughs> Sometimes I can't believe it. Like, I'll be in the throes of a romantic interlude with my wife, and I'll be like, I can't believe you've agreed to be here. <laughs> You know, because I did it for so long alone. Right, right. You know? <laughs> so, oh, wait a second. Why then? Why did this movie? When did you see the movie, and how? Why did it hit hard? I I, I saw Goodwill Hunting. Probably I was around fifteen years old, so maybe like two thousand one. Okay. And look, I have a very soft spot for movies like Goodwill Hunting, Finding Forrester. Um, Igby goes down Rushmore and it's just like misunderstood young male protagonists with greatness in their heart like and who like probably need a leg- I don't think any of them well Rushmore Max Fisher has a, a good father figure but but yeah yeah but you so you you identify with with Will I I, I did a degree yeah mistake dumbly though because that like what we have to realize is this okay <laughs> None of us are well. Right. We're all bent. Right. <laughs> we're, we're the townie losers. Will is the the genius who's chosen not to accept his genius. Right. Like, nah. We're all Ben. We're gonna get left behind. We're probably gonna, you know, develop a pill habit and we're gonna have a lot of kids that we're gonna pay some attention to. <laughs> And we're going to drink and it's just going to be a long, slow trudge towards death. So, so you are an optimist. <laughs> That's what <we're> saying. <laughs> we're just bent. Like we're bent. Like that scene where he says to Will, like, if you're here in 20 fucking years, I'll kill you myself. Right. <laughs> you know, like yes. that's, but because he's going to be there and we all want to be Will. But if we were, we'd know it. You know, we'd be solving equations and whatnot. But, right. But we're not. So, in 1998, going back to the year that movie came out, like, uh, your mom tells you you can, like, you know, kind of, like, drop school or just go to a performance school. Yeah. Uh, how did that happen? How did she... It, did, did you know you wanted to be an actor then? then? Yeah, I... 
I was acting already for a couple of years doing theater and yeah. little commercials and stuff, stand-up comedy around New York. And there was this performing arts high school. And we had to move out of, basically, it was sort of that normal thing where the elementary school you went to, there was a middle school in the same district, and you just kind of went from one to the other. Mm-hmm. But now we didn't live there anymore. And so I couldn't go to that school. And my mom said, you know, you love acting. There's this performing arts high school. Do you have any interest? And I auditioned and I got in. And a week later, I'm at this school with Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes and Alicia Keys. And they were older than me. But suddenly I was like surrounded by my people, you know? And these were people who were getting to like do the thing that I loved at, at an adult level and making a living doing it. So... That was like probably the big inflection point for sure. Did you feel like you fit in? Like, were you happy then? Or is that like, oh. Yeah. I was class president. Okay. We used to get to go out for lunch. (laughs) Like, I was getting Subway sandwiches and playing spin the bottle and crushing it. (laughs) <laughs> Life was so good, man. It was so good. Okay. Yeah, sixth grade, 48th between 8th and 9th. Sometimes we get the $5 beef and broccoli Chinese lunch special. Other times there was a deli across the street and get like a turkey and Swiss. I really just focus on the food. On the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it was great. But you didn't stay there for that long, right? Because uh, a year later you're in L.A., Two years, yeah, Two years sixth later. and seventh grade, yeah. Okay, so I read that your first agent, Sid Gold, I, I think uh, was his name, right? Yeah. Um, that you were eight when you when you got your first agent. How did that happen? Uh, in terms of like, how do you look up look for an agent at eight years old? You know, like I just remember being eight and I was I was a kid. I I couldn't even imagine working you know or looking for an agent i didn't know what an agent was yeah i i was eight years old reading this magazine called backstage magazine which was mm-hmm. a magazine for actors and in the back there were classifieds and it would have jobs and also uh agents and managers and there was this big ad sid gold at gold star entertainment sid gold the father of comedian elon gold funny mm-hmm. enough and uh and it just said i represent performers of all ages and i was like i qualify <laughs> bam like you know and i went in and i met sid golden he's like if you can get a comedy act together i will put you i will get you booked at caroline's comedy club and i put five minutes together making fun of my mom and kids at school and uh you know observational well it's a deal with fruit roll-ups no i don't know right, <laughs> like, right, right. you know can you imagine i i can like yeah but I, I made a movie with, with Jenna Ortega and, uh-huh. and she was around that age when she watched Man on Fire and saw Dakota fan in acting and said, like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Did you have a moment like that, like prior to seeing? I mean, why what are you doing reading backstage? Yeah, I I, I just, it, it I remember I was at, I, I went to camp when I was a little kid and there was like the performing, like the traveling little performing arts troupe of the camp. And it was kids who were in that program, which was like an extra hundred bucks a month. And you mm-hmm. got to go. And I was like, I'd like to do that. So I was always, but I just like being around it. I also wanted to be like the stage manager or kind of just be the person who ran the lights. I didn't necessarily have to perform, 
But then my mom told me that if we're going to do this, we're going to swing for the fences here. So get it together, kid. Like, okay. I'm not raising no stage manager. You know? I was like, thanks, mom. So, and I've been supporting her for 28 years. <laughs> were you like, so like, because you mentioned like that you guys were having some financial issues in 98. Like, is this like a part of like your motivation? Like I can get a job and help my mom? Yeah, Okay. for sure. Like super mature for any year old. Uh, I just wanted, you know what? I hated being powerless, which is kind of the theme of, of being a kid. And I think for some kids, if you're, you have a more stable life, it, the idea of powerlessness doesn't come across to you that early, right? Because life is good. You don't need to exert your power because things are taken care of to a right. certain extent. But when you're younger and you feel like things are amiss, and it wasn't any fault of my mom's except that it's a bitch being a single mom, especially in New York, especially during that time. And she had to do it all on her own. And she did a great job, but no matter what, there was going to be some, some challenges. Right. And, uh, and I wanted to help. I wanted to like fill in the gaps. So when, when did you realize you were funny? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think I, I, it just worked well for me because i was so chubby growing up that i would just easily make fun of myself before you could make fun of me i like the power of of comedy and whatnot and then when i started on nickelodeon and drake and josh and all those shows it was just like it was right in my wheelhouse because it was big and sticky and it was the kind of comedy like i grew up loving and it didn't take a lot of you know um honing you know i just had to do bad impressions of like billy right. madison or all the things that i grew up loving you yeah, know? yeah yeah so in growing up in so like will is from saudi right like it's like kind of a yeah. rough neighborhood in 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 boston you grew up in hell's kitchen how was growing up in new york in that area uh in the 90s was it like a good 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 area like a sketchy yeah, I was like Will hunting if Will had had a Jewish mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I grew up in the bad area, but I had my Jewish mother who was like, you're not going outside. Line. Stay here. The food's here. You know, we're going to watch, like, I'm going to watch the Golden Girls and you're going to watch me watch the Golden Girls okay. and have some pizza, you know, or some snacks. And that's basically, yes, my mom just kept me fat and, and uh, I was treated like a Wagyu cow. <laughs> You know, she just kept me fat and very, and you safe. know, sedentary, <laughs> safe. Yeah. So you didn't, you, did you have a pack, uh, uh, like, you know, a group of kids you were going out with and like, yeah, do fist fights and <laughs> not, I mean, we were just doing like dumb little, like, like city rat kid shit. Like we would just steal stuff or like my buddy Louie would steal things. Mm -hmm. Shout out Louie. <laughs> still stealing. Um, <laughs> I hope he doesn't see this. Um, and like, yeah, as soon as we were 12, year old, uh, 12 years old, it just, we were off to the races. And then especially like I would go back to New York all throughout my teen years and it would be, but it was just minor. But, you know, you just go like get drunk, go to people's above ground pools in the Bronx, get in like stupid little altercations, go like break bottles in 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 uh you know in people's like backyards and like right. try to like you know smash 40 bottles and, and really low level not even misdemeanors right very sad not cool not 
Okay. Like, I'm trying to think. We'd smoke blunts on my friend's roof. My buddy Jeremy, we smoked a blunt on his roof once. And then we came home and his parents were awake and waiting for us because they had sm- cause we didn't realize he lived on the fifth floor and the roof was on the sixth. Right. So it just traveled like, down. They could hear us talking. <laughs> so we came downstairs. Bad criminals. His parents were not pleased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, so <laughs> but, was, was this seed goal like a mentor to you of sorts like a like a sean and, and will uh or or was he just like your first uh i've been looking i've been looking for a robin williams type you know person in my life right sean the therapist yes and i still haven't found him okay <laughs> but you and that beard <laughs> how's that beard feeling it's weird it's a lot <laughs> yeah it's a lot but You know, committing to the character. <laughs> Can we like end it. this with me crying in <laughs> yes, your arms yes, and you that, telling me it's not my it's fault? It's not your fault. Yes, <laughs> definitely. We'll do that. Um, um, so you, you, no, he wasn't a mentor. He was just a means to an end. He no, he just wanted me to get out to the auditions, and it was weird because at that time, like you would be, you would be a ten-year-old, and the audition would say, "Looking for a ten-year-old to come and." Uh, do a Oreo commercial and it'd be you and like, I'm not kidding, 90 kids in a waiting room right. and you might wait there two and a half hours to be like, and then you'd come in and they'd be like, say your name. You'd be like, Josh Peck. And then they'd be like, hold this up. And you'd be like, okay. And go, boy, do I love coconuts. <laughs> you'd just be like, boy, do I love coconuts. Thank you. And then right. you're, and then you did that every day. Yeah. Yeah. So how, I mean, were you sensitive as a, as a kid or like, because I, yeah. I always tell people like actors need to have a very thick skin, you know, if you want to go into that business, because you're going to hear no all the time and it could affect you if you don't build that. But do any, you work with great, you know, performers and actors, right? So let's say Bobby and Andrew specifically. Right. I don't know them well the way you do, but I know them a little. They seem like two of the most sensitive people to walk the earth, right? Definitely. And they're wildly successful. Yeah, I think Bobby used it as a kind of like a defense mechanism. Like people are saying, no, I'm going to prove them wrong. Kind of a motivator. Yeah. You, you talk in the book about like pain being a motivator. Yeah. So I think that that is how Bobby works too. You know, like kind of like, oh, you're saying I cannot do this? Let me prove you wrong. Is he, he <laughs> but he also seems easily wounded. Maybe not as much anymore. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if uh, in the business uh, itself, or you know, definitely in his in his life, he's more sensitive than he looks. Then he, he lets on. That he lets on. Yeah, but I'm thinking like going to auditions every day or like doing open mics. That thing is brutal. Yeah, he's tough in that <laughs> way for sure. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm very. I, I'm still. I think my whole sort of. Um, my whole journey or the thing I'm still working on is being okay with how sensitive I am and not trying to treat it anymore. Okay. I'm very sensitive. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a profession where like, and that's why I see a lot of actors then have like wild periods of time that, you know, when like the coping, these things are not going well. So like the drugs, the alcohols, the whatever it is, you know, like that they need something to escape. Yeah. Uh, And that's what, like, I mean, I don't know how you feel about your kids being actors. You know, I wouldn't want my kid to be an Never. actor in the, in the, you know. We're, for, ne we're not allowing it's it. It's just like, no, mine is going to go into sciences, you know, yes. like, no, no. What science? 
I don't you know, want... something like a, yeah, medicine or engineering, something yes. real. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. your beautiful daughter, doctor, and <laughs> right. PhD? Like, it's like, oh, I want to be in film. Like, I want to say, no. No. Let's do something else because this is it's too brutal. AI is going to replace us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's all over. Right. I can't believe I've seen it in my lifetime. <laughs> right. We're being replaced by the robots. It's insane. Will Smith sat a commission, <laughs> right? He can't save us. No one can. <laughs> right, right. It's not good. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, you know, the, the, I, I, I had a thought today of like, did you think about AI before January of 2023? In I, any real way? I, thought about ai uh last year when i started seeing i started seeing like certain like algorithms doing jobs that were okay like editing and like oh there's things coming you know yeah the, but now it's just incredible and it's pretty interesting how i mean i i don't see they're gonna for, if I, we've been real i think it's gonna be a tool that we are gonna use but i don't think it's gonna replace us I think it's going to be just, okay, I'll write a script way faster because now I have this assistant that is so yeah. smart or I'll, whatever, I'll edit faster or I'll do things faster. Like it's going to be a revolution in terms of, you know, industry, but I don't think it's going to be, oh, now maybe a gimmick, the first movie written by Chad GPT, you know, or the first movie directed by whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to last. It's like, how many times have you heard this? Oh, now everybody can shoot a movie with an iPhone and then how many movies have been shot with an iPhone okay two that you heard of you know like I think right. it's just a gimmick and then people will get tired of that God willing hopefully <sighs> but it is incredible you get the AI Josh Peck going yeah 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 I'm not so great as pure me you know <laughs> is that, that you're improve you it's not gonna take much for ai <laughs> to lap me right like there's plenty of room for improvement here no i i just think it's wild that like i don't think i mentioned ai in or thought about it in any real way till the last three months right and it's amazing how quickly like every week i'll be like oh it's getting better because it goes exponential it's this it's, yeah it's crazy terrifying oh. can, i'm can dead AI let's bring end you back it all. to life <laughs> jesus christ please <laughs> Yeah, we bring me our, back to life, AI. Oh, our producer. <laughs> it's the bare bones. Yeah, that is, the, 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 is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I'm so glad. You know, I'm wearing this Mets hat in protest. Uh, okay, because I heard a story, and it could be a lie, a dirty lie. But I heard that Ben Affleck is such a hard body karate Red Sox fan. Mm. Have you heard this story? Yes. In what was it in, in uh, Gone Girl? David Fincher wanted him to wear a Mets hat. Right. And, and, he refused. and he refused. And David Fincher was like, it's your character. It's not you, Ben. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm not doing it. He said, no fucking way. <laughs> like, and I think he, I think Fincher won. Right. But I'm wearing this in defiance. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, so, well, you, you, you said that your mom told you that you were not an accident. You were a surprise. Yeah. But I checked this out and it's like, uh, <laughs> I'm an accident. <laughs> I, because you found your dad. Your dad was in his said, 60s, nah. right? Your mom was 42. They had a one night uh, Flynn. And but they hooked up twice in that night, which my mom didn't tell me till I was a teenager. Uh, she like added it. But it's like less than 5% chances. Yeah, <laughs> so, I guess so. But uh, oh, I just can't believe my mom. Like, why does she have to say, you know, we hooked up, we ate, and then we hooked up again? I'm like, you went, you ate, 
<laughs> like you had post deli like farty sex yeah i don't think i had that conversation with my parents ever <laughs> but i guess like like growing up just with your mom she becomes your best friend no yeah she she didn't tell me that till later on right but yeah I, uh, that's crazy thought five percent i what's the numbers on that what's the math of like time in which you're ovulating right and- so per, per menstrual cycle after 40 you know <laughs> It's only forty-two percent. Yeah, I looked this up. I was just wow. curious to see like how this happened. Uh, and then, so how was growing up with a dad like a chip on your shoulder? Is something like that you were looking for like all the time, or was it like, oh, this is just my normal reality? I don't care. Both. I didn't miss it because I didn't know uh, that I didn't know what I didn't have. You know, so it wasn't. It wasn't bad in that way, but I just found it deeply annoying. I didn't like that there were like days devoted to fathers. Right. I didn't like that I had my friends' dads who would like do this false flag like uh, posturing to be like, well, you know, little Josh Peck over there doesn't have a dad. So let me, you know, stand in for the next couple mm-hmm. hours. I'm like, I don't need you to teach me how to swing a bat, bro. Like, it's not right. going to help. I'm, you know, I'm 100 pounds overweight at 11, 11 years old. Like, it's not looking good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the next Jorge Posada. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not going to happen for me. Um, so I just, I found it deeply annoying. And then, of course, as I got older, I realized the effect that not having a dad and, yeah, it, it certainly informed the way I, I looked at the world. Right. And did it scare you to have a kid at any point? Like, were you like, always yeah. want to have kids? Or do you, because my wife had the same situation. Oh, really? And I know there is always something there. There's like a hole that is never fulfilled, you know? Like, it's something, you know, the way that you look at things is a little different than mine, for example, because yeah. my parents were happy together. I think I definitely was nervous, especially when I had a boy. Because I was like, I'm not masculine. I'm, you know, a theater geek. Right. I'm not going to be able to, like, teach him what it means to be a man. But I, uh, it, me being a good dad to him is, like, sort of pain in amends to me as a little boy. Mm-hmm. So showing up for him. I heard someone say this in a podcast the other day, why she didn't have kids. And the woman said, I just needed to end the cycle. Like her parents were messed up and her parents' parents were messed up. She's like, I wanted the dysfunction to end with me. Wow. Like I didn't need to give it to anybody else. Right. And I think that is a version. Um, and then I think what I'm hopefully doing with my two boys is a version of just trying to correct the wrongs. Change the cycle, yeah. Yeah. Did you did you think you were going to have kids growing up or it was something that until you met your wife was like, no, no way I'm having kids? I knew I'd have kids. I never thought I'd be married. Uh, the Being married didn't interest me. Yeah. Because you? also your, your mom never had like a, a partner, right, with you. Well, no. In, in the picture, so. I don't think I introduced, I, I dated one girl who had met my mom before my wife and then no one has met my mom or really my friends or anybody other than the first girl I dated because it was like new and exciting and I couldn't yeah. believe that I had a girlfriend and then my wife. Right. It's it's crazy. So did you have that experience that Robin Williams says in the movie to Will of like, you know, you don't really know what it is to wake up next to a girl and, and, and finally, you know. Yeah, and, say, she, oh, I'm, and, and she fats. Happy. Yeah. She fats, you know. Is that the best? Yeah. My wife used to fat in his sleep. <laughs> like, I've heard folklore about that that scene too that he improvised that the 
idiosyncrasies or that make the, the you know that's the thing that he misses the most or the little little things yeah um, she used to wake herself up she go whoa, whoa was that you <laughs> like that's uh, and i heard that's why matt damon's laughing so hard in the scene it's because robin williams you know improvised a spit about how his wife was farting it's a yeah it's a it feels like a very genuine moment in the movie i don't think i ever heard my wife she's gonna hate me for this <laughs> until she was pregnant and asleep and like i think just she couldn't help it and right. one and one flew by and i was like the next level of intimacy it made me love her more <laughs> right yeah i was like i hope she feels better yeah because you, you know if i mean there's different personalities right like we talked about bobby before like he doesn't care right. part in the mic at any point <laughs> right but if you are more like normal <laughs> maybe like doing doing that requires a lot of like you know deep knowledge of the other person a lot of trust yeah <laughs> do you do that in front of your wife i don't Me i don't want to try not to you know Me too. it's something that yeah but you know who you're gonna do it in front of <laughs> your daughter yeah yeah I, is that uh oh in front of my kid my boys yeah, <laughs> like yeah i'm like welcome welcome to manhood <laughs> right we're just gonna let this is a <laughs> this is a free fly zone <laughs> just let it happen um okay so going back to to your early years you know you're doing stand-up you go into that performance high school very young like how do you get to la i auditioned for a show called the amanda show with right. amanda vines mm -hmm. and it was the second season and uh, the people who were in charge of the show didn't want me on the show and they like had turned I had auditioned for all these different Nickelodeon shows I would never book it but the president of Nickelodeon liked me and his name is Albie oh, Hecht yeah and he put in the word and he was like if you want another season of your show you have to put this kid on and I got forced upon this show but it was I was 14 years old my mom and I drove across country and suddenly it was like a whole new beginning and we moved i remember i we stopped in las vegas on the way to la mm -hmm. we stayed at the mirage i think i caught an std from the bed at the mirage because <laughs> right. i was 14 so i wasn't hooking up um but i remember like all of a sudden we were done i think maybe i just was in the pool too much and the the mesh netting from the <laughs> bathing suit irritated me but i couldn't move because yeah. I was so inflamed. <laughs> so we drive the five hours to LA and we went to the um, urgent care right around the corner from this studio in Burbank. So this area means a lot to me. Wow. And, and I remember getting a prescription for some ointment and shout out ointment. And um, But was your mom like, okay, yes, we're doing this. I'll put whatever I have going on, I'll put it on a hole. I'll drive you to LA. Yeah. She was, but it was very temporary. She was like, you have a job for four months and this is odd and a once in a lifetime thing and you can come home. Like people leave for four months. It's not super typical, but. Not at 14. No, but I guess like she was like, I think she was only thinking within this four month span. Mm. So she's like, you'll go to school for four months, but if we have to come back to New York, you didn't miss the whole year, right? You missed a part of the school year. You'll come home. It'll be a rough couple of weeks reintegrating. Right. And we'll fall back in our old thing. We'll figure it out. And as soon as we got here, I like I knew immediately, I'm like, we're never going home. Did you stay in Burbank? Yeah, at the uh, Oakwood Apartments. Wow. 
It's weird over there. So weird. Like, I I mean, probably you know that it has a huge history of, like, kid actors staying there, right? The and, like, the, the season of mothers coming with their kids throughout, you know, the whole country. It's pretty, I mean, usually it's pretty sad. Yes, you have the Michelle Williams and the three or four poster poster childs that yeah. stay there. But usually, I mean, there's a documentary about it <laughs> Yeah, that is pretty scary. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I just it, like that me and the kid star conversation, I'm still in the, we'll see. Right. You know, it's like, he's not Michelle Williams. Right. But he's not some of the bad ones. Like, there's still time for him. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I I see like, it's like a a little bit like a metaphor of LA in terms of the broken dreams of uh, so many people coming through through that place. Yeah. You were one of the few that actually made it. Uh, But also coming from New York, for anyone who doesn't know, but the Oakwood Apartments, it's basically like corporate housing. So it's furnished, it's month to month, so it's super transient, and it happens to be right by like three of the major studios. Right. So it was common that if you got any work here, they would put you up there. And so there was a lot of yeah, and kid you have actors. A pool and, and they have like, right, like places to It run. was beautiful. Like that was the one thing. Coming from a 500 square foot apartment in New York in oh, Hell's yeah. Kitchen, I was like, we're in, this is a two bedroom. There's a pool, there's right. a, a snack bar. Like, I loved it. Right. I couldn't get it. We only lived there for three months, but then we moved to like a slightly elevated version called Avalon, which was half a mile away. Also here, like in On Vermont. Vineland. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. lived at the one on Vineland and I, <laughs> I lived there. Are you ready? From 14 till 29. Wow. I got my mom an apartment at 18 and stayed there because- By yourself? So your mom moved? Yeah. And like, I got her a really nice place and not that it wasn't nice, but it was transient. And it was like, I, no one lived there for 15 years, No way. but I got there and I was like, hold on, this is a two bedroom apartment. We have a security guard. We have a racquetball court. Yeah. There's a basketball court. There's a gym. There's a pool. There's a barbecue area. We're walking distance to a Rite Aid. Right. And a Ralph's, which was, and it was a nice Ralph's, which yeah. was our supermarket. And it's 1800 a month. I, I, I could not, the, you know how much they raised our rent each year? How much? They didn't. Right. It stayed 1800 So I, I saw no reason to leave. I tried to get my wife to move in when we got engaged. She refused. So you met, when you met your wife, you were living there? Yeah. She, she slept there for five years. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know all those places because I, I, I work with a lot of students and I've seen them like, you know, it feels like very temporary house and like, yeah, come here for a job or for like, you know, a school and then you leave. The, it's okay. I'm trying to think of who <laughs> a lot of boy bands live there. <laughs> right. Um, a lot of like semi-famous people would live there. TV stars, different actors, musicians. And then, you know, you would just hear like there was a murder in building one like really like yeah someone got stabbed in the elevator and you're like he like recently like last night wow. like there was always something the police were always there it was fun <laughs> it's exciting um so how how long do you do the amanda show a year only right like yeah we only did one season one and then season. it got canceled and then this is something that i've seen a lot in your shows not we'll get to that that a lot of the shows that you are in got canceled quickly <laughs> <laughs> what a segue <laughs> but wait a second like but then at 15 you have your own show yeah that's insane i mean how many people have a show at 15 like five people 
just me and Keenan Cal. Right. Yeah. And Amanda. So was that like I'm living the dream? This is it. Uh, yes. I I really enjoyed doing it because I enjoyed the comedy and it was it was really fun. But you know, I talk about it in the book. Like I still lived at the Avalon apartment. It was on Nickelodeon, which was primarily watched by kids. Right. And so, you know, I think once it came out, it also had like a long period where it took like two or three years for the first episode to even come out. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it didn't really become very popular until like social media and reruns because it just, you know, for the first five or six years it was on the air, primarily the people who watched it were just kids from 14 to 17 which was great being you know relevant to them yeah but then they got older and then their you know little their siblings watched it and then their siblings watched it right and you you got yeah. there a little too early before the streamers right like you you didn't yeah. leverage into okay now i'm gonna have this amazing career because i can do these other things yeah uh, it was a little more one and done more niche yeah um but it's still like you did it for four years right i think or five years it's like 60 episodes yes um and you're a working living you know a living working actor uh i i mean i feel like by the time you're 18 <laughs> i feel you had a full life already yeah. you know i remember me being 18 it's like oh i'm going to college now you know it's like i haven't done anything i i other than being a kid all my life you had a career already um so after do you think like that the Drake and Josh show is the thing that people will always identify you with? Is this something that, uh, that you know, it means so much to many people that there is like, I don't know, is your, your Indiana Jones if you're Harrison Ford? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, because I feel like also you're, because in this movie, right, like in, in Will Hunting, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are it transcends the movie. They're so, they, they wrote it together, they're best friend in real life. Do you think that a little bit of that idea when you see two people on screen that people project on, on that, that yes. social relationship that it was a little before social media, no, but I heard that you guys have some sort of beef because like you guys weren't really friends, but for the people outside the world, you know, like you guys are, oh, of course they're, they're best friends. Sure. How, how did that, uh, you know, I guess the question is how do you, when do you realize like the that relationship with an audience you have to cult, you know cultivate and talk to them and and people will assume things about you that are not necessarily real yeah i think you have to just accept that the audience is going, going to feel the way that they do and it was their experience and mm -hmm. and i think you know people marry themselves to the first image that they fall in love with and you know, Steve Carell is one of our greatest, you know, actors alive and is in so many iconic roles, but for many people who always be Michael Scott, right? Mm -hmm. And and that, that surely isn't a negative. So instead of me feeling like, oh, I want to erase my origin story, not out of shame, just because when you do things in high school and of that age, you tend to want to be able to do a bunch of other things. You want to try something new. and Of course. You might not want to be defined by the first thing you did. Right, like Kubrick was able to like, right, erase his first movie or like, yeah. you, you cannot do that anymore. Anyone can, uh, you know, or you could, you said at some point that you, if you weren't an actor, you could have just burned the yearbooks and that's it, right? right. Like, but you're all over, you know, no, you cannot 
erase your childhood because it's for there out there for everybody to 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 see it's in reruns right it's yeah reruns. my yeah. awkward teenage years are in reruns right. oh. <laughs> on nick at night um <laughs> no i i i've really become i've made my peace with it in a good way it's wonderful like and i think i was just a knucklehead you know being a guy in his late teens early 20s and wanting to sort of rally against what i was known for or uh, the way people rebel against their parents or whatever. Right. And then over the last 10 years and growing up and seeing the effect that it's had on people and families and the show means a lot to me and I'm very proud that people, uh, you know, many people enjoyed it. And um, and I, I just think it'll be a part of, it'll always be a part of my story and hopefully I can do additional things that are cool too. Right. Yeah. Um. So after the show is over... But not things that get canceled very quickly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Things, things don't last long. I Only mean, everything I've done other than Drake and Josh. You mean. Right. I feel also like the, the, the rhythm today is so fast that things get uh, on and off. All they the get time. full seasons. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the one full season. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. Yes. Grandfather and my show with John Stamos. Yes. We got picked up for the back eight. We did 22 full. You, yes, you did. Right. Yeah. And then... That's it. We're done. You get that. You get that call, right? It's yeah. bad. You know when it's good news, everyone from your team calls. Right. When you get that call and they're like, "We've got your agent, your manager, your lawyer, two assistants, and a couple people we pulled out from the street on this yeah. call." You they, go, everybody wants credit. This is good. <laughs> we did this for you, right? And when you get the call and you can hear it in the assistant's voice, they're like. We've got Dan. One moment for Dan. <laughs> yeah. Like fuck Dan. <laughs> Dan's about to break my heart. Oh wow. Yeah. I I I think being an actor is a is is such a difficult you know emotional roller coaster that if you don't have everything in your head like you know that's why I'm thinking like growing up uh, as a child actor although you don't like that kind of label but it puts you in a, in a position of like okay at what point am I gonna go crazy and I see it in, in so many people that it's like well you had your moment too when i guess after 18 you just went crazy yeah or i don't know if that was the result but so you you finished the show you lost 127 pounds <laughs> yeah uh is that a moment like you feeling a little lost or you know like finding your next job or finding who you are now as a new you know because like i think for comedians sometimes the weight could be a, an asset you know it's like oh yeah chubbiness is a little funny like did you feel like i don't know samson without your hair <laughs> <laughs> i i don't i i don't know i i think that i lost the weight while we were doing the show so mm -hmm. i think once we were done i just hit the ground running and i was young and and i made i basically had about a year and a half of runway of savings and i was like well I, and I'd never had that much, you know, runway in my life. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like enough time to find something. And I did, but I didn't know that it was going to happen that quickly. But, you know, I, I booked this movie called The Wackness right. within a year and it won Sundance and it was with my favorite actor. So it was like in a weird way, even though after that movie, I'd go through, you know, five or six years of like very challenging feeling like I wasn't finding the right parts or wasn't booking the jobs I wanted to having that happen when I was 20 and like very much validate like no you 
you can play at this level. You just need the opportunity. Right. And you have to hopefully be the right guy for it and whatnot. It, that carried me a long time. So it was weirdly like the universe was like, we're going to invite you to the table and then we're going to kick you out of the restaurant for the right. next five years. But enjoy this meal because it's going to be great. But is that, I think, well, in your book and in other interviews that I read of you, you said like, well, there's a time where like I, I start doing drugs and alcohol and like, yeah. you know, I have a, a few years where like it's bad. It obviously has to affect your job, right? Like, because like, Everybody can see that, even if you don't sure. see that. But coming out of Drake and Josh, I feel like, and also losing the weight, probably like looking however you wanted to look. Uh, I feel like you are on a high, but in in are you empty inside? Meaning, like, do you have this hole that cannot be filled? What what does what is the issue? I guess, or what's the problem that you think you're you're trying to cover up with the alcohol and drugs? at such a good time for you i think it was um look being big right having weight on you being overweight can be like a a sign of a lot of things it can be a symptom of a lot of things right um and for some people it's just like a love of life and you know of eating and enjoying and dining and and i had friends growing up when i was a little kid who would like whip their shirts off and they had a big belly like i did and they'd jump in the pool and they had girlfriends and they didn't think twice about it and it was beautiful as as well they should there was they didn't have the shame that i carried that was created by me right Mm -hmm. so for me being overweight was like a symptom of 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 something deeper Right. And I just was sort of trying to eat it away. And then when I lost weight, I didn't really deal with that thing that was going on that was deeper, which was probably a lot of the dad stuff, Mm -hmm. but probably just stuff that I was, you know, the financial insecurity, the dad stuff growing up paired with that. I had like some talent for this business, which has so much rejection. And so, so it was like this trifecta of things that was just weighing heavily on my brain. And how were you able to turn it around, I guess? Like, what what was the thing that clicked on you and say, okay, I have to stop doing this or I need to, I guess, work these issues or find out what the issues are if even if you knew yeah. at that time? I got in a 12-step recovery when I was 21 and I've been there and sober, knock wood, ever since. And it's worked well for me and <laughs> and, you know, it's there's a lot of ways to do it. But yeah. for me, it was like I... I just felt like I was finally like I'd found my tribe I'd found my people who you know they were my peers and it was something that I could wrap my head around and identify with and I think many of us walk around in our lives feeling terminally unique Mm -hmm. and we feel like we're the only ones who feel this way we're the only ones that see the world this way and I think that's where I think that's where our brains want us Right. And if you have the kind of brain that I do, it wants me in a deep, dark corner by myself, feeling like hopeless and without resource. And when I, you know, when I walked into a a meeting for the first time and I was surrounded by these people who were sharing their stories and the way that they thought and the way that they drank and the way that they looked at the world. And I was like, oh, that's me. I had never heard anyone talk like that. And that was the pivotal moment of my life because these people were attractive like they had families and careers and nice lives they weren't just like 
you know, broken the way I was when I came in. So suddenly I was like, oh, they think like me, they are like me, but they've figured out how to live. So I I, I want to sign up to whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it hadn't worked, I would have right. looked for something else. It just happened to work. And uh, what do you think like, is this structure? Are you good with the structure with like, you know, like having like to do X, Y, Z every day? Do you wake up and have a routine? Or it was more like, okay, I found my, like you said, like my people and I'm, I'm yeah. not alone in the world. So that helps. It's so hard, right? We all wake up and we look at social media and right. I'm like, if I'm not cold plunging, saunaing, <laughs> running 20 miles and like <laughs> drinking celery juice, I'm fucking up, <laughs> right? Like it's all the, the right. projection we put on ourselves. Yes. But yeah, I've, you know, I, I already went hiking today. Mm trying to get ready right. for this uh <laughs> exercise helps um i like the sauna i try to eat well i ate six donut holes on my ride here <laughs> i think i was nervous there's also a really good donut store named dad's donuts <laughs> down the street have you been no it's good stuff don't tell me yes I, um treat yourself you're a dad now you have a three month old okay right. that's, not, that's my excuse yeah donuts are great i, I think donuts might be my next thing <laughs> Like, I might need to go into Donuts Anonymous. Yeah. I I mean, I've always been scared of drugs because I think I have an addictive personality. When I like something, I do, I overdo it. Yeah. And therefore, like, I never wanted to do that because I knew I was going to like it and therefore I was going to be in that position. Um, but, I, yeah, I feel like most of us are, like, to a degree addicted to things, you know, like in yeah. now social media and everything, like that dopamine that we are chasing. I'm trying to get off that. But you, you were so good at... So wait a second, love, because you you did a pivot in your life after. Well, you made those two movies, were great movies, right? Great, great performances. Yeah. Uh, at what eighteen, nineteen? I did. Which ones do you mean? Mean Creek. Mean Creek. And, yeah. Mean Creek. I was like sixteen. Wow. Wackness. I was twenty. Twenty. Tw yeah. 20. Yeah. Okay. So at twenty, and after that, you. I think you said in your book. I think it's in your book. It said like, okay. Now the next, I don't get a good reviews anymore, or I don't, you know, the next projects are not working out well yeah. for 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 you, and that kind of like you look, you know, people are asking you, hey, you need to go to classes or like, yeah, are you still acting are and you, all that? Yeah. So, a question is like, because like I feel like when a kid is uh, a kid actor like does it so well, like it, it comes natural, you know, you see a Jennifer Lawrence or a or even Jen Ortega, like it's like they didn't do classes, they just were good and people found them and then that was it yeah and now you grow up and you are like that right you were funny from the beginning like you have some magic you said something like comedy is like music and you you found the rhythm so now you are at a point where people say hey maybe you are not that good is that how you felt is like how do you i know i think i just felt not good because i i went through so many it's just the life of an actor is you know, in many regards, like all through that time, I would like work on a pilot that wouldn't get picked up or I would do, you know, some little movie that just really didn't come together. And you were like, oh, my God, I hope this never sees the light of day. Like, right. So there were there were things like that. And then in between, there's a hundred auditions that don't go your way. Yeah. So I think for those like years from maybe 21 to 26 and then and then you do things. I did this pilot. I remember for Amazon with um my friend natalie z and it was it was the first pilot that amazon did when they started doing tv yeah 
and it was so good and it was so funny and it was like this it just i was like this is the one guys i'm like i i'm gonna start everybody from my agency is about to call and be like we're picked up and you're famous and uh and i remember they picked up the pilots they made with with our pilot our pilot was about a los angeles football team where the owner dies and his wife who's kind of like what well that sounds a little bit like like ted lasso is it ted lasso it is right yeah. wow maybe they stole it from us <laughs> but it, yeah well i guess it's exactly that but basically like, the wife wow it is exa it's ted lasso i was in the pilot for ted lasso <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was it's actually very similar or but like and it's basically it was it it was um this half hour show that was like kind of light and and it was i remember they picked up uh transparent which was like crazy brilliant yeah mozart in the jungle bosch these were all of amazon's first right, pilots. the first the first batch of amazon originals yeah and I just remember that they, and I remember they said, we're going to treat our TV shows like we treat shoes. We're going to let the audience decide what's good. Whatever gets five stars are the shows we're going to get picked up. Like whoever gets the highest ratings from the right. people. And I remember our show got the highest rating. And I was like, Done. it's a wrap. I'm about to make $40,000 an episode. Wow. 10 episodes a year, less taxes. Less agent and manager, you know what that is? It's 160,000 a year. Like, I was just like, great. Like, I don't have to sweat it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember we got the call and they were like, they picked up every show but yours. Interesting. And, you know, whatever. Amazon wanted to make like very impressive. Um, yeah, high production. And yeah, super. like awards shows, yeah. like shows that were going to win awards. And ours was more like popcorn, easygoing. But again, so I, I say that only to say there's so many moments like that in an actor's career no one sees except the people experiencing it. Um, so that's what like the next five or six years look like. So it was just a lot of self-doubt and a lot of mini wins and plenty of losses. So how do you do that pivot to social media? I guess like when, when do you see that that's a creative outlet that you can use to your advantage? Well, during that time, I, I social media just got popular. Yeah. And I started making these videos that people liked. Yeah. And I could have walked away and just no one would have remembered. But I had a friend in social media early on mm. who was like, don't let anyone tell you what this is because I work in it and even I don't know. This is like 2013. Right. He said, but I can tell you that connecting with your audience and having them tell you everything that's good, bad, and in between of what you're doing and being able to go straight to them, that's powerful. So do that. And so I made a video every day because I had never been able to go straight to the audience. I was always at the mercy of the big machine and right. praying it's that it works. An intermediary is always there. A million things. Right. There's no reason movies should be good. It's wild that Goodwill Hunting came together. Yeah. Do you know the story of Goodwill Hunting? Like of them getting it made? Yeah, tell me. Yeah, like the Castle Rock thing that it was like it was at this company, Rob Reiner's company, for years in development and they bought it and they couldn't. I, basically, like uh, originally, like I think the notes were make it more of a thriller. Like I think no, it was a thriller. And it they was told him, like let's lose the thriller and make it about the relationship between the therapist and the yeah, and then the two month thing right, which was basically 
they really wanted to what what was it they wanted to star in it right so they uh, the studio wanted um leonardo dicaprio you and, know the story i don't even know you, you say to, you to say it. okay and uh, dicaprio and brad pitt right in play dicaprio as well right right so brad like, pitt is pen can you imagine brad pitt's boston accent it's like they're not good they won't be i'm gonna go out here and say brad pitt one of the greatest living actors yeah I bet you the Boston accent would have been just okay. <laughs> the thing is like, what they were really smart and I think a lot of actors have done it since it's like, hey, write your own material because then you own it and there's nothing yeah. people can, can do about it, you know? So they, and they had a list of directors, right? And uh, the directors they admire and like, hey, yeah. if any of these directors says yes, we can do it. Well, they wanted we an executive at Castle Rock to direct yeah. it. Right. And so they gave them two months, right? And mm -hmm. they were like, if you guys want to be in this, you got to get the director and yeah and they wanted gus van sant right they, yeah they, they gus van sant was in a in a list of directors that they would work with yes and he said yes and i mean it's incredible because like um casey affleck is in it right yeah. like it's although he's a minor character but all actors that then you've seen like doing great performances yeah but he has the best line <laughs> my boy will's wicked smart <laughs> yeah right that's a good one he said that they, he improvised most of his lines i don't know if that one that sounds too too written but yeah it's good that's good oh man there's so many good ones um, double burger <laughs> what did he say double burger <laughs> double burger it's <laughs> so good yeah um the so okay so in in that time you're doing social media yeah the shows you're doing are not like huge hits yeah but are you able to you know monetize that social media to make it like okay i can still live okay yeah you know, no like, i i started making money and and it was a perfect it was all like i spent probably almost two years just focusing on that because it was great and a, it was, I had never been able to sort of make money like that where I didn't have to ask anyone for permission. Right. And also I'd never been able to make content like that where I didn't have to ask people for permission. So yeah. it was, yeah, I remember for that, it was like 2014 to 2015. It was the thing that I kind of focused you. the most on for sure. And uh, so at that time you, I mean, you're sober, you're working. That is that when you meet your wife? Yeah, I met my wife at a Halloween party in 2011, oh, not far from here. Right. The Valley brought us together. And w was it like love at first sight? Was it like... Uh, For me? Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did... No, actually... <laughs> don't watch this page no it was of course it was love at first sight but i was a mess i was 24 years old right i was like i'd never been in love i'd never really been in love before and i was totally like you know i just was like no 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 like 20 like to to find the woman you're gonna marry at 24 in show business yeah i might as well have been 10 right you know what i mean like yeah. it doesn't happen so i was just like on a i gotta work i gotta provide for my mom i got you know i i'll worry about you know finding someone to get married to like in my late 30s right but 
as does the right person, we just continue to grow and evolve with each other. And like, we wouldn't let each other go, even in the face of our odd growing pains of her, you know, working on her stuff on me, working on my stuff. I had to work on way more stuff than she did. But it was just kind of like, oh, I'll be here when you get over whatever it is you're working through. Yeah. That's huge. Because some people go like, I don't want to be any part of this growing, you know, this grow growth spurt you're about to go right. through. Yeah. Was she the the person that kind of like after being with her like I'm I'm normal that chasing normalcy that you were yeah chasing like kind of like okay I'm center I can I can do life now yeah <laughs> like it's like Bobby says like her family's good whites yeah <laughs> like they're just like a beautiful Irish Catholic good people yeah. like solid like I like them all very much they they eat you know a protein and a carb and a vegetable at almost every meal right in salad they have holidays they like yeah i they, yeah they they really impressed me and they still do almost 13 years later yeah did you see in her family the way that you wanted your family to be the one that you were creating yeah, yeah. but her dad is an ex nfl football player okay. and the second time i met him he wanted to play catch and i'm like <laughs> let's not do this right right I was like, because I don't, I don't want to disappoint you this right, early. Right, right, right. Like, so let's just keep on, you know, pretending each other. And then once you fall in love with me and realize how hilarious and adorably Jewish I am, right. we can play catch because I'm not going to catch it. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was so bad. Your kids uh, maybe will grow up. Like They're athletic that. and yeah. it's all my wife. It's none of me. No, my none knees of rub together when I walk <laughs> and I'm thin. Right. Yeah. yeah you're super thin <laughs> thanks babe yeah <laughs> i know i'm working on it it's every like, day is this, is this something that is in your head is like like the food is the food thing like the alcohol and drugs like something that you have to fight or no i mean okay. i'm pretty normal with food stuff now but um yeah i had six donut holes on my way here right because like i said in my head joshy deserves a treat <laughs> right. like is anyone saying that to themselves yeah i think everybody <laughs> on their way to a podcast I, like i, I don't I was, know on their way to a podcast but definitely people i yeah definitely i do i mean i put is. i threw a nicotine pouch in <laughs> i had my six donut holes i want to take this off is this <laughs> I can't do it. Anymore. I miss it. <laughs> put it back on. I'll, Maybe I'll, I'll put it on. You want me to put it on? <laughs> I think like no, it's gonna be gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did double sided tape and not like yes. adhesive. No, no, no. Um, okay, so you get to work with uh, Matt Damon. Yes. Right, like recently. Yeah. And did you? I mean, and you have a scene together, right? Yeah, a few. So, Offset, w were you like, hey, Good Will Hunting is one of my... Not, never nothing. once. Never <laughs> once. I, it, I do this disclaimer probably too much. I have an incredibly very, very, very small part in the new Christopher Nolan movie, Oppenheimer. Right. Yeah. But I do remember walking by him in a scene where he had to be mad at me and some of the other guys in the scene. Yeah. And thinking in my head, oh, that's very believable. And then I thought... 
I'm not a good actor. <laughs> because I was like, why am I thinking about what a good actor Matt Damon is in this scene? Like, I was like, I wonder if Daniel Day-Lewis has ever been like, wow, that was very believable. <laughs> Never. I think like Leonardo DiCaprio was the other day on a viral video saying, well, my first advice to actors is like, learn your lines. You know, kind of like right. very basic things. I'm like, yeah, you, you have to do the work. Yes, and but I would bet you, and not that I would ever know exactly what the great Leonardo DiCaprio or like have to explain what he's saying. Right. But there is a part where uh, you'll be in scenes with actors who like half know their lines. Yeah. And you just can't be here. Come here, baby. You got a little tape on you, little beard tape. Oh. Oh, <laughs> thank you. How long that's, has that been there? That's like therapy. Just to, you You're know. welcome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been in scenes with actors who like only half know their lines and it's like, oh babe, like you're, I've been there before where you, right. you were just lazy and like, you can't even make choices. Cause all I'm thinking about while you're delivering your lines is like, and then I say, what do I say? Like, yeah. and you're not present, you're not in it. So yeah, like really knowing them backwards and forwards is right, right. always helpful. And don't ask your wife to run lines with you because yeah. if she's like my wife, no. It's not gonna give you anything. Dude, we've gotten we've come to blows. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. we have literally been like, Do you like this house? And she'd be like, No, 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 no. I didn't sign up for this. Okay. I'm not your scene partner. Right, right, right. I'm your wife. And like go find someone else to yeah, run yeah. lunch. It with makes you. sense. It makes sense. Let me go through my quick cause Pete, how are we doing with time? Because I don't oh, want We're uh we're no, good on time. No, I'm t saying so. Josh can leave on time. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 good on time if we want to okay. get. because uh, I want to make sure that I didn't, I didn't really look at my notes, but I had so many. <laughs> oh wow! I can't <laughs> believe it. Did you really read the book? Or you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I read the book. Wow! I watched all your interviews. Stop it! Thank you. <laughs> he went oh full uh, will hunting. What? He went full will hunting on yes, the book. It's I, unbelievable. I went method, uh, method on you. <laughs> oh my gosh! I really just focused on the movie. I didn't even think I was going to get to talk this much about myself. No, because also I saw that you you have, you know, with the book you do the run, so you have to tell the same stories all the time. And I know sure. that people are tired of doing that to themselves. I was trying to, um, oh, okay. I think you, we can get to our uh, our our bits here. Okay, what? but I have I have two more questions and then I'll because I think this this are my clever questions. Cute. So, uh, did you find your ap apostles? Oh, so in my book I talk about finding your apostles. Right. Um, I when I did that movie with Ben Kingsley, I remember on the last day because he's my favorite actor. I was like, do you have any advice? Uh, I'll take anything. And he's right. like, find your apostles. And I was like, no, like I need a secret on how to be a movie star. Right. And he's like, no, find your apostles, find the people in your life that you can learn from and people who, who, who raise you up in moments where you feel like you're lost and people that you can rejoice with, but also despair with when times are tough. And if there are people in your life who don't make you feel that way, then you should probably get away from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think apostles come in, in and out of your life. I mean, a, at different times, you know, Sir Ben Kingsley was my apostle in that moment. Um, I, I learned a lot from my father-in-law, not catch, but you know, he's been an apostle in my life on how to be a good present dad. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, going back when I was 29 to my acting teacher who I'll, I'll be in class with her tomorrow. Like, um, 
and having her say to me like you have bad habits and like these are the things you need to work on because i know you think they're charming and cute but they're actually like holding you back like so cheats. yeah you're, you're, you're cheats and yeah. i'm like babe i'm like trust me like the nickelodeon crowd thinks these are awesome right and she's like you're 29 okay my my final question oh well yeah i i i forgot to ask you like this movie is about therapy or like how that relationship with the therapist you know like uh did you ever do therapy and then if so did you have like this you know profound relationship with your therapist was that person the one that was able to crack you open and give you that piece of advice that helped you out? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've gone to the same guy on and off for 18 years probably. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've benefited uh, tremendously from therapy and I think it just helps to have someone who I think there's I think there's power in, obviously not all of us are able to to pay for therapy, but I think there's something powerful in like in knowing that you've paid the you know whatever the fee is to your therapist for that hour so right and then final question do you still do a stand-up do you ever go to therapy i've never been to therapy i, I could tell yeah yeah you use <laughs> there's a lot going on inside that think about to be, uh, you know for think me therapy it. was like woody allen movies you know like i always like yeah. see that kind of like and i always thought oh this is i guess what like rich new yorkers do uh but do you still do stand-up? No. Did you only do stand-up as a kid? Yeah, till I was 16. Wow. Why not? Because you were good at it from the beginning. No? Don't I got enough problems. Right. <laughs> no thanks. I don't... I, I do these college gigs where I'll go do like a half hour like <laughs> stories, stand-up bits, and then I'll do like a half hour moderated Q&A. Right. And I, I love that, but it's a winning room and they think I'm about to give them a lecture. Right, right, right. Right, like can you, me going up to like the comedy store tonight yeah. in the OR doing five minutes, it sounds terrible. I mean, comedy is the one thing that I think that's what, I think comedy horror um, where like you either get it wrong or, or right, you know, it's not like if you make a movie and it's a comedy, nobody laughs. That's it. You know, the yeah. judge is, is clear. You you win or you, you know, when you do a drama, you can have those gray areas. But when you're a comedy, if you're not funny, you're not funny. No, there's no, inter it's not subjective. Right. It's like, well, wow, this was hard. I was always terrified of comedy because of that, like creatively. And I, oh, I'll do a dark comedy that is also a thriller. So if someone laughs, it's good. But if not, like I have all these other themes too. Oh man! But I understand people like I look up to, like Bobby, and and uh, why they're at the. Con I mean, Bobby's what at the store five nights a week. Yeah, uh, I get it because like once you figured it out and you know that you are not only good at it, but like. Uh, it's it becomes you get to a point i heard mark Marin talk about it where you're like i'm not going to get run off stage some nights are going to be better than others right but no matter what it's going to go pretty okay yeah that sounds awesome yeah that yeah. sounds and, and, really and you exciting. get that energy i i see them there's like the superpower you know i make you laugh that's a huge superpower oh yeah <laughs> it's the best right but you had you you have that superpower Right, like you don't use it that way. You use it on 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 a movie or on a TV show. But it's yeah. like, hey, you have done plenty of comedy. Yes, most of what you've done is comedy, or have that element of making people laugh. So I think it's a muscle that definitely keep doing it. <laughs> I'm I'm only doing Nolan movies. Is he not for now? Nolan or bust. 
you know i figure with him making one every three years right i'm gonna be in all the rest of his i mean what a validation no like even as an actor doesn't matter how big the role is like hey you get picked it's by nice like a, a, it's an honor right tarantino's last movie's coming up i'll get that yes I'm gonna you get should. a couple lines in that what who he else comes out of the store what does he hang out the comedy <laughs> store it's all right i'll meet him somewhere else you know i'm sure he eats yes i'll see him at paquito moss or something we'll split a, a shrimp burrito and we'll talk yeah i heard that he likes mint juleps <laughs> i haven't heard that <laughs> well, yeah i haven't either but but i but what i heard in something that you talk about earlier is like that when he writes a character he doesn't care he doesn't go he's not gonna go for the, the whatever the hot actor is gonna be what yeah. is the best actor that you know that i can give this character to this character needs this voice so i'm gonna look for it and i mean he has the luxury of doing that his movies are packed with stars yes but also <laughs> great performances oh my god like yeah he's a man it's cool well um Wow. Thank you, Josh. I'd like to hear uh, Josh's dirtiest jokes. Oh, yeah. Goodwill Hunting has a lot of dirty jokes. Okay. So, yeah, you know how, like, in the, in the, in on Will, on Goodwill Hunting, there's, like, this moment where, like, you know, they, they do their dirtiest jokes. Yeah. To, you know, and that's kind of like they're, they're bonding uh, with, with his new girlfriend and all that. Do you have a dirty joke? I'm trying to think. I could do. I I could recite his joke verbatim from the movie. Can you? <laughs> uh, what is what is we'll say? Uh, two pilots are flying in in, in the plane and uh, gets on the loudspeaker. He says, uh, "We're going to be flying at thirty five thousand feet." He puts the speaker down and he looks over at the co-pilot. He goes, "You know what I could go for right now? It's a cup of coffee and a blowjob." And all of a sudden, the flight attendant comes bombing up to the front of the airplane because everybody heard it over the loudspeaker. And one of the guys goes, honey, don't forget the coffee. <laughs> yeah, good memory. <laughs> Do you know the whole movie like this? I don't. That wasn't exactly like verbatim, but, yeah. you know, how do you like them apples? I mean, that's like, yeah. come on. How did you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> like I like Macintosh. Yes. I also like a Granny Smith. Like them apples. Okay. I like. I Something see um, types here. The, we got a Red Delicious. Yes, we do. <laughs> we got a Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, so many good ones. Yeah. Wow. You really? Yeah. I yeah. Love the How do you like them apples? <laughs> I love them all. I'm good with all apples. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, treat. this is a uh, thank you, yes. and I want you to say nice things to me in a moment there's oh, a yes. there's a small it's not really dirty but nick swartzen has a great joke which is they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away which is why i put cocaine on my apples so <laughs> like, <I'm, laughs> yeah well let me say nice things to you i i think you're the first comic actor that i met that is very very normal wow and I take that as a compliment. Thank and you. Like you can have a normal life and also be super funny and you don't need to make everybody uncomfortable around you. Rick, Rick Glassman. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else that I work with. Uh, Does, is Bobby that? I mean, I've never hung out with him in the way you have. He's, to, to be he's honest, the he's, greatest ever. He, but he, he is great, but he has that energy. He's he, on. He loves to make you uncomfortable. I love it. And that's how I he gets him. close to you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I've come from like, you know, I went to Catholic school, so like everything is a little more formal. I invited him on my pod and it took him, you know, an extra minute and a half to find parking. Yeah. And he just walks up, like literally once I found him, he goes, I almost left. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, welcome to the podcast. He was invited to the Burke Kreischer premiere. He left. And he, he couldn't find parking. 
Of course not. But he also was late. So that's that's him. But but I think he's also like you said, he's so sensitive and he's so genuine. Also, he's a, he's a great guy to be around. Yeah, it's the best. But he's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch this. Uh, um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I think people should obviously tune into your podcast, read your book. I thought your thank book you. was such a great read. Thank you. Um, watch Drake and Josh or, or better on uh, Let's watch just, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Drake and Josh has had its flowers. It hasn't, it hasn't Please watch it. my new shit so it gets more than one season. Right. <laughs> we need more seasons. We've been reminded throughout this podcast. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for Thanks, coming. Thanks, dude. Love you. <laughs> Love you. <ya. laughs>